Hello, and welcome to Monday Night Football, your voice for youth soccer, not just for Louisiana, but for the entire Northern Gulf Coast. And now, introducing your host, Alan DeRitter. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Monday Night Football. Welcome all you people from New York to Los Angeles that are listening. Uh, I know that you're listening tonight. Um, uh, the members of our, our basically uh, our referee fraternity. Um, um, I hope that you enjoy the show today because we're focusing on you and honoring you tonight. We always start off our show with a prayer. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Dear God, help us have a good show tonight. Help us be able to really show that refereeing matters and um, and that we do appreciate all the referees for all the hard work that they do and uh, really the difficult job that they have. I pray that uh, we'll be able to continue uh, to develop referees and be able to get more referees, especially in Louisiana. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay. Um, Tonight's show is uh, going to focus on two referees, all right? Uh, first one um, we're going to talk to is Nick Chansey in a few seconds. Uh, he is a referee out of the Home of Thibodeau Association and um, uh, works along, of course, with the Lafouche area uh, referees as well. A uh, guy I've known for, for ever. And uh, uh, he just got honored with the top as a top high school referee. Um, so state referee of the year. And um, we have a long interview with him and he's got an interesting perspective of, of refereeing in this Louisiana area. Not just that, but uh, uh, he got a chance to be in the Navy. And so he got a chance to see referees in other states, which is quite a gem. Um I do like going abroad uh, to Europe and traveling around the country to see how different referees call. And it, it is not consistent. It's it's different, uh, not necessarily good or bad. It's just the flavor of that area and what they uh, what they want and what they want to focus on and stress. Okay, you know. So I talked to Nick a little bit about that, but in our our next uh, segment after Nick, we talked to Jalen Gray, who's been honored by U.S. Soccer to be able to referee in Kansas City at Nationals. Uh, what a tremendous honor for this young referee. And uh, listening to this interview, you're going to see that uh, or hear that in his short life, he's amassed a wealth of uh, knowledge and uh, and. You swear he was 50 years old uh, listening to what he has to say, and but he's only in his early 20s. So we have Jalen Gray on. And uh, and so hopefully after we sign off tonight, uh, all of you who are listening will be able to get a good finger on the pulse of what's going on, at least in the Louisiana and Gulf Coast area when it comes to refereeing. So we're going to take a break and pay a bill. And uh, then we'll come back. We're going to talk to Nick Chancey, uh, the high school, Louisiana High School Association Referee of the Year on Monday Night Football. I'm Coach Alan DeRutter. I'm the head soccer coach at Dulles South for the boys and the girls. I'm the director of coaching at Soccer Innovations of America. We'll see you after the break. You can advertise your business for as little as $50. Contact us to see our rates and get your business in front of the Gulf Coast soccer community. Follow us on Twitter at MNFUTBOL, as well as Facebook, or call us at 504-577-3131. All right, everybody, uh, we're back on the air with Nick Chansey. Uh, Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alan. You, you always have been one of the... Uh, 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 more professional referees in the in the state, and it's really good that you get this honor. Is uh, is that is that from the high school association, the state referee coach of the year? I mean, uh, referee of the year. Yeah, that's from the Louisiana High School Officials Association, and they're in charge of the high school games throughout the state. Fantastic. When did you find out? Uh, I found out at regionals. Um, we were going to do our annual. Um, presentation. We have an annual meeting for LHSOA in Lafayette. Unfortunately, uh, Hurricane Barry had canceled that. So uh, 
that was released on Monday. Okay. Well, how's it feel? Uh, it, it feels great to be recognized. Um, it's definitely not an individual honor. Um, even though one person's name is on the certificate, there's many, many people that helped me out on the field and behind the scenes that I'm very thankful for that have gotten me to this point and looking forward to going beyond. How long have you been refereeing? This is my 23rd year Jeez. of uh, refereeing. I started when I was 16, uh, right here in Homa. Um, did a, a term in the Navy. And while I was there, I'd moved around to different states, seen different things. Um, I got lucky to wind up with a very good mentor and brought that knowledge back to Louisiana when I moved back. Okay, where, where was that mentor from? He was from Maryland, Washington, D.C. area. Okay. And, um, well, how do you think refereeing is going uh, in Louisiana? Like, um, what is the state of refereeing right now, in your opinion? Uh, in my opinion, it's going uh, – pretty good in louisiana we're fortunate to have a state referee committee that um cares about the mentorship and development of its referees i think it's crucial to have those mentors at the grassroots level at the local club level not just at state tournaments or regional functions um and, and i've implemented a mentor program in homa um, Lafayette has a very good training program, Baton Rouge and a couple other areas as well. But I think it's crucial to get the referees from the very beginning to guide them along and help them get to that first step. Okay. Well, this is no secret here. We coaches, we pretty much know that if we're going to go to Lake Charles, we're going to get a different kind of game than we're going to get called in Baton Rouge or Shreveport. Uh, do you think that this is going to help? eliminate that problem or will that problem always exist? I, I think that problem um, can exist to a certain point until each area has someone that's um, that's capable enough to head up a mentorship program. Um, not all areas are created equal. Some areas have many great referees and some areas that are small areas just have a few. So hopefully we can get someone that lives closer to those smaller areas, those smaller clubs to help them out and start a mentorship program. Hopefully the clubs cooperate and everybody gets on board and um, we can start building up a better referee base. Um, and on that end, you know, the, the clubs that I've seen that have mentorship programs have come a very long way. Okay. Um, is it still very frustrating the difference between the high school rules and the and the uh, and the club rules? You know, I think people need to adjust to the rules of competition. It would be a lot easier if everyone had followed one set of rules of competition, but everyone has their reasons for the rules that they want to play by. Um, there's going to be a significant difference this fall in between club ball and high school ball in the winter. Um, there are many significant changes that are coming on with club ball and some of them are good for the game and it's an adjustment that people have to make um, referees have to have more than one gear to give the game what it deserves and what the governing body expects from the referees and expects from the players when you're in the heat of the moment especially in the 100 degree heat <laughs> uh how are you able to um keep your cool and to make sure that uh you're you're enforcing the correct rules and dealing with all the parents who are hassling you on the sidelines and coaches and players um the the big thing that i like to take forward is whatever happens between the lines inside the game as part of the game leave that on the field you know just know that uh there's always better things that lie ahead fortunately there are a lot of people with cooler heads where people can have calm conversations and maybe learn something that they uh that they weren't previously aware of with the new law changes that are coming into effect for this fall there's going to be some frustration and we're going to need some cooperation on both ends to where the referees are going to make the call and maybe people can catch up and and understand why the referees are making these calls. Okay. Um, um, what do you think about gamesmanship from coaches? Like there's a lot of coaches I know, they believe that they need to play the referee, like intimidate the referee. So the referee second guessing themselves. And so therefore they might get an edge on, on calls. Um, uh, when you get to a coach like that, how do you handle him or her? 
I, I think it's important to stay focused. I think personality plays a long way in going how you deal with someone who's trying to to play you as well. Um, I, you know, focusing on the game and not letting an outside influence determine what goes on on the field is um, is crucial. Now, of course, coaches can have some very good information to relate to you. People want to express frustration whenever they may see things a little different from you, but the the main thing is to stay focused and to filter through the information that's being given to you. You've done a ton of my games, okay? And uh, I've always loved you as a referee. I usually go talk to the referees at halftime, so we're not making a public issue out of the things that I need to talk to you about and the frustrations I feel or don't feel. And uh, would you rather that or would you rather – us just tell you from the sidelines, you know, that uh, we feel like the game's getting too rough or or the fouls are, are ticky-tacky? I think each game presents its individual challenges and there's different ways to go along with different games. Um, there's definitely ways that certain coaches want to relay that information and and the way that they give us that information is – is different between each coach. Okay. Uh, valid. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Um, so now you have the microphone. So let's, let's take one step at a time. What's your message to coaches uh, dealing with this referee shortage we have in Louisiana? What could coaches do better to try to eliminate this problem? Um, you know, I, I think it would go a long way for coaches and spectators to understand you know if, if it was them in the referee's place or them in the referee's shoes you, you know a bit, one big thing that we hear all the time is are you watching the same game and the answer is no we're looking at it from a different angle than the coach or the spectator may so they may see something that we miss or we may see something that they miss and um you know i think the 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 angles that we see determine what we call of course and um you know we're not out there to see team one or team two go through, you know, we're, we're out there to do a job and have fun, get through the game and have an enjoyable time with everyone. Okay. Why do you, why do you think we have a referee shortage? Um, you know, I, I think this goes back to having a stronger mentor program and having people available that referees can go to. Um, and I'm going to use Homa and Timber or Homa and Lafouche for an example. We had a, a, a point in time when we were losing referees towards spectator and coaches' issues. Referees didn't want to deal with the spectators anymore that were home teams and visiting teams and whatnot. And we implemented the mentor program five years ago. And since then, we've lost less than four referees due to parent and coaching issues. And I think that's a 100% turnaround. Man, that is amazing. How come everybody's not doing that? Um, you, you know, it, it took a lot of planning and cooperation between the local clubs and the referee organization. I don't think that everyone has um, such a, a good relationship. I think it's it's divided enough, and I think it does everyone a good bit more if the clubs and the referees work closer together. Um, you know, we're, we're fortunate to where for our mentor program, we work closely with Homa and Lafouche and Thibodeau to where if we need a field for training or if we need um, two teams to scrimmage for referee training or if we need funding for yellow and red cards or other promotional items that we want to give out educational items that I feel comfortable that they would give us those resources and help us out. Um, and I think that that can go further in a lot more places to bring the relationship closer to open up referee training, uh, monthly training topics, whether on the field or in the classroom, to where regular people, players, coaches, and spectators can go in and ask those questions and get those interpretations and maybe see things from a different angle. Okay. Um, now, I'm going to take advantage of your perspective here. You've been, like you said, refereeing for over two decades. Is the game getting better, or are we just maintaining strain, uh, the, the level of coaching I'm talking about and level of playing, from your point of view? Well, we definitely see better coaching. We, we absolutely see better technical tactics. Um, we see 
less boom ball, um, raw physical um, speed. We, we see less of that. I, I, I've seen a lot more, and I, I really think the, the turning point was the 99 Women's World Cup. Why? I'm sorry? Why? Why? Well, it was it was on home turf. Brandy Chastain uh, played the, the the heroics there, and you know I think that was really the catalyst that brought a lot of people into youth soccer in the U.S. Okay, um, and uh, when it comes to the American fans, I mean, you know, we we're so we're used to sports like uh, baseball, where you're questioning the uh, umpire and every every strike call, and uh, and football. Well, you saw what happened to the Saints this year. Um, uh, what do you think a fan needs to bring to the game to to, to kind of know that soccer is a little different? Oh well, I may have to I may have to pass on that one a little. Okay, bit. Um, okay, okay, I, okay. Well, I mean, I, I've I've been to I've been to a small handful of my own daughter's games, and I sat down and just kind of minded my own business there. Um, you know, I I think um, I, I've seen some spectators do a one eighty, one hundred and eighty degrees whenever their child signed up to be a referee, and you know they saw how people were treating officials um and it it goes back to angles on football you can have 12 different camera angles and an instant replay and all that we we recently got var we definitely don't have it in louisiana but um you know people need to understand that 99 percent of the time the referee is going to get one crack from one angle at a split second and um the tv replay that's shown 20 times from different angles may or may not agree with with the call. Yeah, well, um, I, I really use this as a teaching moment because I, I believe that coaches, players, and referees make about 10 mistakes a game. That's just a rough number I throw out there, but uh, it's how you deal with the mistakes, and I think life's not fair. And what I love about soccer is um, it, it can teach these life skills that, okay, when you get thrown an unfair situation or ruling deal with it as opposed to one and complain and try to change, uh, change the decision. And uh, have you ever changed a call when you really knew you were wrong after the fact? Um, after the, now the only way that I would is if I would confer with my own referee um, team to see if they had seen anything different. You know, of course there's times where I may have called a penalty and went over to the assistant referee and got more information and uh, made my determination based on that, but absolutely not on what any player or coach or spectator has said on their own. Okay. And and I call those teaching moments, you know, and chances are, if it, to me, one call doesn't, doesn't make or break a game uh, because it usually is the culmination of a lot of things like, uh, uh, you know, uh, the way the game is being treated as opposed to, uh, um, the, you know, every every game is different. Like you said, it's got a person a personality, and we just got to deal with it. You know, mm-hmm. um, you have the mic. Uh, any message you want to give to all young referees who are just thinking about getting started? Well, for young referees, I think it's important to to know that you have someone that you can always send a question to or um, or a situation to. We have a very good state referee committee. Each area, um, each major area has an instructor, maybe not every small area, but each area has um, an instructor that's always available to go to to ask questions. Um, We have a great state referee assessment program where an assessor will go out and take a look at your game and give you things to help out. The big thing is to not be afraid to ask for that help or to not be afraid to be a student of the game 100% of the time, um, all 12 months. Great. Well, look, uh, congratulations. I hope you enjoy the Ferrari they're going to reward you with. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, we don't do it for that. And, uh, and I appreciate your professionalism on the field. And, uh, and I've, I've seen you affect a lot of young referees. And, uh, and I just hope that you keep on kicking for another two decades. I plan on it. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate it. Okay. God bless you. Take All care. Right, All right, everybody. And, uh, 
Um, I'm glad that we have this show so that you can meet people like Nick. Uh, Nick Chancy, of course, uh, a lot of us coaches have been knowing him forever. And he is uh, one of the best, okay? Because uh, I think that uh, one thing that everybody's got to recognize is you can only control what you can control, okay? We heard Jalen talking about that earlier. And one thing Nick does a good job of is he is going to talk to his assistant referees if he doesn't think he's seen it fully. Um, uh, he doesn't walk onto the field with this, with this pompous attitude that coaches can't stand that this is my game and, and I'm going to be your emperor for the next 80 to 90 minutes. Uh, he's, he gets on the field and he lets you know from the get go that, that, uh, he's not taking sides and, and it's never personal. Okay. Um, and I really do appreciate that. I, I know just because, uh, I'm friendly with him and I get along with him that I don't expect any favors from that. And I think that I hope that he, I hope he's listening right now that uh, he knows that I've never uh, tried for that angle there. I know a lot of coaches who do that, you know, they'll, they'll like a buddy up to a referee and they don't really mean what they're saying or they're not, they're just trying to get the calls influenced their way. And that means to an end as opposed to, Let's just deal with what's really happening on the field and make sure that everybody gets it right and no one tries to take an unfair advantage of somebody else, okay? Uh, which, anyway, that's the real world, though, isn't it? Uh, where you're never getting the total story on the news. You're never getting the total truth out of your conversations. That's the bad thing about social media. You don't get everything in context. It's pulled out of context. And and so youngsters right now, they have to deal with more reality, I would say, than we had to in my generation. Okay, they're getting bombarded with spin. And uh, I think it's really good um, when you get a referee like uh, uh, Nick that he, he comes on the field and, and he doesn't have an agenda and he's not trying to uh, rule over you and he was just trying to get it right. And uh, uh, anyhow, I appreciate all of his efforts and his professionalism. And look, y'all, referees do get paid well, but not well enough at the youth level to make a living. Uh, we all have to have our jobs. Okay, I teach. Uh, it'd be nice to just coach. Um, some club directors can do that. And uh, uh, so we all have our other lives out there. But boy, it's nice to, to when you when you get to a game and you have a referee who loves the game as much as you do refereeing it. Okay, and taking it serious, like, you know, checking the nets before the game. That's the kind of things you see Nick doing. And I've seen Jalen, too. Before a game, there's a lot of work a referee's got to do besides warm themselves up. Okay, uh, they need to inspect the players. They need to communicate with the coaches. They definitely need to check the nets. I've seen a goal go in from the outside in. Okay, uh, I'm telling you, I saw it at Pan American in the 1990s, and the referee called it a goal because it ended up in the back of the net uh, inside the goal area. And uh, and he had inspected the nets before the game. That wouldn't have happened. And uh, so uh, – when I see a referee doing that before the game, it usually is a good sign that I got a real referee here that's taking his role as a referee seriously or her uh, role seriously. Anyhow, I can go on forever. Uh, and really, I think we should be doing more shows about refereeing because we do a lot of shows about coaches and a lot of shows about players. But without the referees, the game does not exist. Okay, do y'all hear me, everybody out there? Without referees, we don't have a game. And we've got to stop running these referees off the field. Okay, uh, you just have to. Um, my rule of thumb for my players, and I'd like you to maybe chew on this for the next time you go to a soccer game. All right, you cheer for your players. You don't coach your players. You don't jeer at other players. And you don't talk to the referee uh, um, or criticize the referee out loud. Respect their decisions and move forward. Okay, uh, uh, yes, bad calls are going to be made. What are you going to do afterwards, okay? If you got your hands up and the other team takes a free kick before the second whistle and scores – well, really, uh, the referee didn't cause that. Your whining and complaining caused that. So deal with the referee's calling and then uh, and, and make um, uh, chicken salad out of it, we call it from the country. Okay, uh, the, if you look at chicken salad, it looks a lot like chicken poop, but there's a big difference between the two. You get 
chicken poop, you make chicken salad out of it. Okay. But you can't, or you at least try to, okay. It's kind of hard to make it, <laughs> uh, uh, but you have to make the best of the situation, you know? And so, um, compliment the referees, shake their hands after the game. All right. Uh, my, my players cannot leave the field without shaking the referee and looking in his eyes and, and making sure that the referee knows that we appreciate her or him being on the pitch. Okay. That along with his good idea of mentoring, um, could really help, I think, us get along. Uh, that mentoring idea is fantastic. I, I, I hope that all the referee commissioners who are listening to the show tonight uh, maybe take a little um, um, instruction from Nick here um, when it comes to that. Uh, I think it would help soccer tremendously. Okay. Well, when we come back, uh, we're going to be talking to Jalen Gray. Uh, um, and uh, he was just awarded um, the uh, honor of representing Louisiana in the um, national championship series of United States youth soccer. Okay. Uh, which is a high, high honor. He's a really good up and coming referee and we're looking forward to watching him grow. All right. But we'll take this break uh, on Monday night football. Uh, again, I'm coach Alan Derrida. I'm the head soccer coach at Dulles South for the boys and girls and director of coaching at soccer innovations of America. We'll see you after the break. Hello, Jalen. Welcome. Yeah, all right. Welcome to Monday Night Football. Uh, congratulations. How does it feel? Uh, it's, it's, a, it's pretty amazing. Pretty amazing, man. Okay, when did you find out that you were going to be able to go to Nationals? Um, at the end of the tournament, there's this big dinner where we uh, go and we thank everyone for helping out the volunteers and see all the other referee associations uh, share their uh, individuals where they uh, have like a youth referee of the year and female referee of the year, all those accomplishments that uh, all the other great referees have done throughout the, uh, the year at their associations. And then we find out who uh, makes the cut um, going to national top AR top referees at that banquet. Wow. Now, do you have – this is personal, I guess, but do you have to pay to go or is it going to be like an, a reward for you? Uh, it's kind of like a reward, you know. Um, referees don't get paid to go out there, but in exchange we get these feature referees and national coaches coming out to give us advice and help us become better referees. It's a great trade-off. Fantastic. Uh, how, uh, how long have you been refereeing? I think this is eight years now. Okay. When, I think eight years now, yeah. When, yeah starting when, 11. Okay, when did you start? How old were you? Uh, I was a sophomore in high school, so in 2011, so around 15, 16. All right. Yeah, 15. What drew you to the uh, profession? Where'd you go to high school? I went to high school at New Iberia Senior High. Okay, and uh, we have that in common. Uh, I'm an 81 graduate. <laughs> I remember meeting you once before, and I was like, wow, uh, this kid's from New Iberia. And um, and I wanted to make sure, I'm pretty sure uh, my memory's kind of sketchy, but I, I kind of wanted to make sure that you knew that uh, it was a blessing for you to be alive this time uh, in history, because if you were alive in my time, these opportunities wouldn't have uh, come your way. So um, we got a long way to go in soccer, but uh, in the country, but on the same token, soccer's come such a far, far distance, especially like in New Iberia. 
uh, when I was there, there was no teams whatsoever. We were the first high school team. And and now yeah. and now New Iberia's got its own soccer club. Um, did you train there? Who trained you how to be a referee? So I started uh, with Steve Koch. He gave me my first games up there in New Iberia. And then I came out to Lafayette. That's where I met Kev uh, Castle and Tyler Mitchell, who really uh, – really took me under their wing and helped me become the referee I am today, you know? And then, you know, you meet so many other great referees around the state as well. So it's, it's, it's a great to the association, uh, the Louisiana Referee Association, because uh, all the mentors here, you know, they give me guidance all the time, what to do better, what not to do. And now you're going to have an opportunity to hear people who might disagree with them from California, huh? <laughs> um, you know, long five, man, the decisions of the referee, everyone's got their opinions on um, what to do in certain situations, you know, but it's all about what works for you, you know? Yeah. Like some personality types, like what, what fits your personality as a referee? Okay. Oh. Uh, what do, you, what do you think is causing our referee shortage? It doesn't make any sense. It's good money. It's fun. Um, why can't, at least in the New Orleans area, we can't find enough referees? Well, the issue we have most common, and this is everywhere, I believe, not just here in Louisiana, but everywhere, it's just that uh, when we get the younger referees going, uh, and then they start getting yelled at by adults at the that's a tough thing, right? No one wants to sit there and get yelled at by an adult because when adults are yelling at a, a 15, 14, or even a, a 12 year old out there just starting, right, that's very intimidating, you know? So, and, and that's normally how we lose them right then and there. I was hoping that wasn't going to be your answer, but uh, I figured it would be. Um, I had two sons referee, and uh, uh, one of them is kind of like in, in, in retirement, like he might come out of retirement once his life settles down. But my other one, uh, he he was also – they both were very good referees, but at the eight-year-old level, okay, uh, he was about 16, 17. He just got tired of people cursing him out on the sidelines. And, yeah, uh, man. What is your what do, what do you want to say to those parents now that they're listening to you? <laughs> um, well, you want to just remember that that's someone's child, you know. You don't want anyone yelling at your child when they are in that position. Imagine going to a game and it's your, it's your child referee and then uh, a parent starts going after your child right then and there. They're going to want to go and defend them. Right, so yeah. just keep that in mind. You know, we're all humans. You know, referees are still humans, and they're trying their best. Okay, so what's your strategy of dealing with your ARs and on offsides? Like, uh, how's your bent on that? How do you uh, make sure that it's well called? Well, offside is now with the new interpretation is a team effort on that. Right. Yeah. So with the new offside decisions, um, we have to communicate with our, our eyes and vocally as well, because uh, with the new interpretation, the defender deliberately plays the ball, then the offside resets. Right. So yes, I have to say, or I'll yell defender myself and try to wave them down so they don't go up with the flag. Trying to be proactive. Right. But if I have nothing and they go up, then it is offside. So we, we cover that in the pregame. Fantastic. I always tell my players if they're caught in offside's position uh, to take a knee and put their hand up. What do you think about that? Well, as long as they don't get involved or affect the play, then they should be fine. You know, if they put their hand up and they get hit, obviously <laughs> we have to still flag it. Yes. You know, but if they don't run for the ball – and make no intention to go play the ball, and it's not affecting play whatsoever, and we can keep going. All right. One of the things I can't stand players doing is when they raise their hand up to try to get you to call off sides. Uh, what do you think about that? <laughs> uh, I don't think that is them yelling at us. I think that's them asking right then and there. You know, um, 
because they're going to keep going regardless because, you know, players are told to play to the whistle. But uh, I think that's just them asking. I've had several players at the end of the play that ask me who kept them on, you know, and if you can give them that number of who kept them on, and they'll respond, and they'll be like, oh, okay, thank you. Okay, I have a policy on my teams that they're not supposed to talk to you unless you talk to them and ask them a question, like my captain. And uh, and and my coaches aren't supposed to talk to you, except what I'll do is I'll go at halftime and, and see if there's anything you need or whatever. Uh, my parents, that drives my parents crazy because they believe that a coach should be intimidating their referee and uh, with gamesmanship. Uh, how do you handle coaches who – who game you like that and how do you and do you think that coaches who don't game you are at a disadvantage uh, well there's there's two ways to go about it you know anyone can communicate effectively right you know so players will, can have a question about something and I can explain to them if I have time but it's not we're not here to argue about it you know i can explain what i thought why i called what i did and you know they have to accept that and play on at that point you know whether they uh agree with it or not but that's me trying to communicate you know uh what i saw and me trying to justify um not really justify just really explain what i'm seeing and um you know if they feel like I'm not doing enough. I I personally will say I work harder for you, and they accept that. You know, if there something's happening that they don't like, then I say I work harder for you. I'll make sure I can see it, and they they really accept that answer. And then coaching as well. Remember, there's the emotional outbursts. We're all part of the game, so emotional outbursts are, are part of the game. Um, but we can still communicate effectively with them, right? There, there's no need for us to yell. Right? If we really need an explanation and I have time, I'll, I'll come over and explain. And normally that's all coaches want is an explanation and then they can go. They'll be okay. Okay. You made a bad call. You know you made a bad call. The coach <laughs> calls you out on the bad call. What do you do? <laughs> Especially if it affected the game. In a serious manner. Uh, well, <laughs> Have you ever changed the not, call? It's not an ego issue, right? If we know we messed up, right? And uh, we can go over there and say, look, my bad. I did this one. And, you know, I can do that. Have but you ever changed the call? It's a situation. Have I ever what? Changed the call. After somebody after protested. Change, after I change your call. Um, you know, you can, but I won't change your call after talking to a coach about it. You know what I'm saying? That's a, a team decision with my crew right then and there. But we are allowed to, if we see it, if we know it's unfair and it's the wrong call and we can fix it, and get it right, we will, you know, like as simple as pointing the wrong way or uh, a free kick, you know, that's when you just say my back and then you point the other way, you know. Okay, uh, so now when you're dealing with a coach that is that is trying to intimidate your AR, okay, because the, the AR is right in front of the bench, and, uh, and really just trying to get advantages for their team instead of just playing an honest game and trying to let you concentrate and your AR concentrate on the game. Instead, it becomes personal. How do you, what do you, where is your line to card the coach? Uh, well, when it becomes personal, that's when you're distracting us from doing the job. So that's when you go over and you handle that, you know. You go, you ask him, you tell him, and then there's dismiss or other other tournaments, you know, ask, tell, state rep, business, you know, there's levels. We don't just run up to a coach and say, you got to go unless it's absolutely necessary and they're behaving in a responsible manner, you know. So it really depends on the situation and what happens, but we're also, you know, if they have to go, they, they have to go, you know. So 
How old are you? How old am I now? Yes. <laughs> I am 23. That's amazing. Those answers are answers I expect from a 50-year-old. And uh, uh, you must – how many games do you think you've refereed? In my lifetime? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, pretty – Pretty high to count, my man. <laughs> that's what I thought. <laughs> that's, that's real. There's a lot of games. That's yeah, a lot, a lot of games. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. What's your goal? What's your end game with refereeing? My end game. Well, you know, man. I used to want to be a beef referee, and the drive is still there. It's just you know. But the reality that, you know, life hits you and you never know what's going to happen. Um, but as of now, the, the goal is to make it to pro. And I'm going to try to be an MLS referee. Okay, so what do you think you have to do to get there? Work hard. You got to train a lot. You know, they want you to do 90 minutes a day. And, you know, you got to train, especially with the tournaments, with the heat. You got to train in the hot part of the day to get acclimated. And you got to make sure you take care of your body. That's the most important thing. You know, you got to be fit and able to do the job, you know. And the appearance on the field is, is everything. You got to go. You got to. Uh, it's a business. Like you're, you're your own business. And you're going to these tournaments to show off your skills, get noticed. You know, and then when you get your shot, you know, perform at a high level and then work your way up from there. Okay, so uh, so is this something where you just got to get noticed like at Nationals or is there any kind of like a badge you can go get to get to the, be the MLS referee? <laughs> well, you know, you, you decide what track you want to go. You want to be a referee or an assistant referee. Uh, right now, I am deciding to go the referee route. So um, I go and I have to get assessments done. I have to get a three national assessments, I believe. So I have to travel and have someone, um, like a national coach, come and watch me. And, you know, if I do well enough to pass, then, you know, beautiful. And if you don't pass, then you go back. And you go back to the drawing board. You fix what you got to fix. You know, study up on your lawns all the time. Always study up on your lawns the game. And then come back and perform at a high level and uh, do it again. But uh, you, you definitely got to get seen uh, by people. You know, you got to travel. You got to get out there. Okay. I, I love taking my teams to Europe. Um, I'm working on my seventh trip right now. And I've always impressed when I see American referees who have made the trip to these tournaments to better themselves. Have you ever had a chance to go referee in Europe? Uh, I've never traveled across the East to referee, but uh, I know people who have gone across the East to referee from here. And, you know, that's a definitely a, a goal of mine is to get invited to one of those, those tournaments as well. Okay, well, I, I, yeah, I don't know if you really not got to wait for an invitation. I think you reach out to them, and uh, there's uh -huh. not they, they, it's just like us. There's they, they can't stand like referees can't stand all the stress and all. And one thing good about these international tournaments are the parents are not there; they can't afford to be there. <laughs> so if you, you have an American team playing a Brazilian team. It's the players and the coaches, and it's kind of kind of neat. It's a nice, it's like a laboratory. And um, I, I would suggest you try to do that because you're going to find that the interpretation of Italian referees and English referees, oh my goodness, English referees. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, let's put it this way. My first experience going to Europe, um, uh, we had a good warm up. We're playing this team from, um, from Portsmouth, England. And, uh, and these guys were elbowing us in the face. And I and I finally uh, went to the referee after we got drummed after the game, and I said, uh -huh. "Referee, why didn't you call that?" He said, "It's it's not my job to defend the players; it's your players' job to defend yourself. And my job is to interpret the rules to make sure that you're not cheating." And it's like over there, it was all elbows up. And after we started uh -huh. learning that lesson, we um, you know, 
everybody was being called a fairway. So we had to learn in England, we had to play elbows up, whereas in Italy, elbows down. And um, what do you think about, uh, like, I'm finding Louisiana, if you go to Lake Charles, it's referee different than Baton Rouge, than New Orleans, than Shreveport. Now, um, why? why? Uh, well, you see, uh, that goes to the way that uh, we're being taught now. You see, out here in Louisiana, you know, we do a lot of trainings together, so that way we are more consistent and we, we get better across the state level. That's been our goal. And uh, recently, as I've been moving up, I can see how much uh, we put that into place. And we are going up there and we are working with the younger referees and inviting them to come. Like we have uh, a guest speaker coming in, Christina uh, Uncle is coming to uh, help us at our ATM meeting this year and talk about uh, the rule changes, I mean, law changes and all of that great stuff. So we, we're putting in the work to make that that happen, you know? And, you know, I can't really speak on the other <laughs> nationality referees because, you know, I'm here in America. Um, yeah, yeah, I didn't but, expect you to you say know, that. Our, our number one job is uh, player safety. Uh, and that's what we stress here. I know for a fact, and I think that's what we stress everywhere. Our number one job is player player safety. But, you know, it's up to the interpretation of the, the, the referee. So I can't really speak on his behalf, but I, I know that that's what we try to enforce, you know, is, is player safety. Yeah, those British referees told me the same thing, and their attitude was that, you know, if you're expecting a referee to protect you, then you – and my kids um, echoed this, that it, it it was safer when they were protecting themselves as opposed to um, waiting for a referee to protect them. Because on the field, if you did something cheap or dirty, you're going to, you were going to hear about it in the parking lot. No, you know, so you can play physical and fair and my kids kind of like that better, you know? And uh, how physical do you let the play get? Uh, well, it, really, it, it kind of just depends, you know, if the level of the game says, Hey, we're okay with this contact and no one's up in arms collectively, then, you know, we can play at that level. But the players are showing me that they can't play with this sort of contact, they don't like it, then uh, we're going to set the bar there, you know? We call the game on what the players need, right? Okay, but what if one one team is tough and one team's not? All right, so then you have to find that common ground. Okay. You know, and then that's where you set the bar and say, hey, this is it. This is how we're going to go through this match. And then that's it. We, we think it's just going to Okay, you've been a, you've been very very good on the radio. I want to thank you for your time. Uh, you have the mic for a minute. Advice for young referees. What would you have? Uh, what would you like to say to them? Oh, but, uh, so when you first start, it's awesome. You know, you're excited. You're up there. Normally, you got a flag in your hand, and you know you're trying to work your way up. It's your first game. It's exciting. You know you get that call right. It's awesome. But you know you got to keep in mind that you know you're going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes, and you know people are people. You can't control how people are going to react to the decisions that you make, but you can control how you react. Okay, so we need to control what we can control and then let go of what we can't control. And I think that mentality will help us, you know, cope with the decisions that parents or spectators will will make. You know, and then we have your back. As senior referees, we will always have your back 100%. And so just keep that in mind. Enjoy Nationals, and I can't wait to see you again. Usually I see you during the showcase in Lake Charles, and uh, <laughs> hopefully uh, hopefully you'll get one of our games. <laughs> but anyway, thanks a lot, and uh, this will be on Crescent City Sports Monday night, okay? Thank you, sir. God bless you. Okay, everybody, and that's our show tonight. Uh, I want to again thank all the referees uh, from Wisconsin to New York to California to the tip of Florida. I want to thank you for your refereeing. Thank you for your professionalism. 
And I want to let you know that there are coaches out there who are trying their best to encourage their players to referee and to also uh, encourage the referees who are out there to continue to do the, the job that that uh, uh, they can do as best they can do it. Um, it's a very important job. We do appreciate you. And I think one of the best things you can do as a coach um, or a player is go to a scrimmage and you take the whistle and then watch how hard the job is. Unlike other referees in other sports, these guys have to cover miles, okay, of running, okay? Uh, uh, a, a baseball umpire hardly moves, <laughs> okay? Uh, uh, football referees have to jog a little bit, all right? Uh, basketball referees, a half-court little jog here and there. Soccer referees, miles, and a lot of that is sprinting. And not just sprinting blindly, but sprinting in a way that you're not interfering with play and that you're also blending in and uh, uh, and being able to see the play from the best angle possible. Okay? Y'all think y'all can do that? Give it a shot. And uh, uh, the referee pay is amazing. It's good. Uh, if you're a youngster and you're listening, please give it a shot. Uh, you'll find out it's not easy, but it's highly rewarding. It's a great feeling when you walk off the field and everybody looks at you in the face and, and tells you you did a good job. Okay, because it's it's vital. It's very important. Um, you know, you can have a really, really good referee when you don't even know that he or she is there, and and uh, uh, and everything is just flowing smoothly, and everything that's supposed to happen is happening. Uh, you referees who can do that, uh, my hats off to you. Uh, when you have a bad day, I got your back. All right. So anyhow, thank you for all your. Uh, uh, input. Uh, again, you can listen to the show, not just on Crescent City Sports, but you can go to our Facebook Live page. That's at M-N-F-U-T-B-O-L. Okay. And uh, and put your comments there below the show and uh, our questions. And we'll be glad to do the next show uh, answering your concerns or voicing your concerns. Okay. And there's a way to get you recorded uh, if you want to come on the show. Uh, we can have a little chat. So get involved, all right? Um, you can talk to us on Twitter as well at, at MNFUTBOL. And, of course, you can support the show. If you have a business, please, please, please uh, advertise on this show, especially if you want to hit the soccer community in Louisiana. God bless all of you, uh, you and your families. Let's hope that we have no more hurricanes coming. And uh, and enjoy the game. Uh, Carpe diem in Christ. And see you next week on Monday Night Football. This is Coach Alan DeRitter uh, wishing you farewell. Farewell.